0: Marketing and Machines, sponsored by Facebook. Uncover the latest trends in machine learning and automation that are helping advertisers unlock new phases of growth.
1: Hello and welcome to the first episode of a three-part series, Marketing and Machines. My name is Russell Parsons. I am the editor of Marketing Week and it's my great pleasure to be your host on this podcast With our partner, Facebook, we will unpick relatively new technologies such as AI, machine learning and automation in the hope of helping you understand their potential and the potential problems misuse, misunderstanding and over-reliance can bring. To help with that analysis, I have two guests today. Uh, Ian Edwards is the Planning Director for Northern Europe at Facebook. A position he has held since joining in 2015. Prior to this, he spent 14 years working as the Head of Strategy at the likes of Mediacom and Cara. Joining in, we have Ines Ures, Chief Marketing Officer at Deliveroo, a position she has held for 18 months since joining from Treatwell, where she was latterly Chief Customer Officer. Hello and welcome to you both. I trust you are both keeping well in these extraordinary
0: times.
2: Hi, Russell. Yes, yeah, it's, it's very, very nice to be here. Uh, thank you for having us.
0: Yes, likewise. Great to be with you, Russell, uh, from a very sunny South London. Uh, so, yeah, good to be with you. Looking forward to the discussion.
1: Now, I mentioned in my intro there that we uh, are living in extraordinary times. I think we can all be agreed uh, on that. Um Customers have been forced to, in many cases, behave differently and are definitely trying different things at the moment. Um, I mean, I, I think it's probably fa- safe to say uh, that delivery perhaps has, uh, has benefited uh, or has at least uh, been given a, a, a different role uh, in people's lives at the moment. Inez, how are you using any of these things, machine learning, automation, artificial intelligence, uh, in the current uh, environment, to uh, to better serve your customers,
2: yeah. So, um, well, first of all, uh, yes, that the appreciation is right. That those these times we are experiencing, they are definitely definitely changing the way we operate as a business. And actually, uh, to be honest, initially, it was actually not necessarily that uh, that uh, basically playing our advantage because uh, customers had. Concerns regarding food contamination and, and overall uh, we were not even sure of what, what was the right operating environment for our riders or for our restaurants. Uh, if we talk specifically about our artificial intelligence automation and not just within the coronavirus uh, context but overall how it's benefiting and how it's profiting businesses like ours and any other businesses out there. Like I think that there's two angles. I think that there's the customer angle, the consumer angle, as you said, uh, Russell, and then there is overall how that benefits employees and and the company itself. Uh, At Deliveroo, we have actually three types of customers. We have consumers, uh, riders and restaurants. As you know, we are a three-sided marketplace. AI, at the end of the day, is just a machine doing something for us, and it's a machine we have programmed to do something for us, hopefully better than a human if it's well-programmed, hopefully better than a human uh, is going to do that task. Uh, And then uh, machine learning, uh, we're also using that to create uh, basically better experiences for customers and for consumers. So things that we are doing currently with, with AI and machine learning is we are delivering uh, personalized content to you and recommendations So, for example, your experience when you land on the homepage is going to be completely different than my experience. Probably, I don't know, Russell, what did you eat? But if you order KFC, uh, and I don't order KFC, KFC, by the way, is one of the most popular restaurants we have on the platform. So so, uh, uh, probably a first experience will also always show you KFC, but as you interact with the system, the machine is going to learn and it's going to show you better recommendations. This is an example where you can explain the, defini- the difference between machine learning and just the AI, basically basic recommendation algorithm. So we could have a basic recommendation algorithm that is based on rules, which is not necessarily machine learning. And then what we are developing now and we continue to develop is a system that learns and is going to show you personalized recommendations on your feed. So this is one thing that we have been doing. Then second thing, which is just an improved customer experience. This is work in progress and this is actually extremely relevant for these times because consumers just want to speak more to us. And what we have realized is that we need to accelerate our customer care capabilities. And the only way to get to a level where we can actually deliver that perfect customer care experience if it exists. It's never going to be just through humans because we just won't be able to have enough people or well enough trained people to deliver that perfect experience. Uh, the third level, which is very applicable to these times, uh, is more targeted and basically a better marketing experience overall. We want to show you ads that are relevant for you and we don't want to show you random marketing uh, and advertising. Fourth one, uh, what I believe uh, is going to hit us more in the future as we are learning and processing more data is, I think we're going to start using AI to think about how we develop products in the future. So we need to understand consumer insights and process that data and do uh, some, I mean, I don't want to use technical words just for the sake of doing it, but do some kind of like basically clustering and figure out those clusters of customers. Where are the things that they are after? Where are the things that they want us to develop and build products that, that uh, they're interested in. And, and overall, I think AI can help us and is helping us uh, develop a, uh, uh, develop our business model. If you think about employees, um, first of all, we are going to avoid people to just do repetitive tasks. We want people to feel more empowered. We want people to focus on strategic execution and not and in high value creation tasks, but not on repetitive tasks. Um, we the best example of uh, these could be uh, we don't want people to create. 500 campaigns manually on Facebook. What we want people to do is to come up with a campaign structure, uh, and then we want Facebook to tell us what uh, creative is going to work for our audience based on dynamic creatives and and, uh, different audience tools that Facebook offers. Then we want to replace manual tasks uh, that we know computers can do better, like, for example, paid paid search automated bidding. Uh, Overall, we want to optimize our workforce. I mean, we wouldn't want to lie about that and and develop uh, how we speak to new audiences. But overall, uh, Russell, just to, to close here, um, it's, it's not necessarily just specific to coronavirus, but coronavirus has accelerated the way we think about delivering the best possible consumer experience and customer experience, so also riders and restaurants. And we are not going to get there without machines helping us, either us telling the machines what to do or... Uh, as telling the machines, please help me solve this problem within this framework, and I'm going to train you to solve this problem.
1: And what kind of uh, measure of success uh, are you using uh, to, to determine the outcome of use of any of this technology? Uh, is, it, is it repeat purchase, repeat use, mm-hmm. or, or greater volume uh, when people are coming back to you? Um, or is it horses for courses? It depends on what you're actually trying to do.
2: Overall, it obviously depends on the activity, but our business, like most businesses out there, is all about putting the customer in the center and maximizing customer lifetime value. Therefore, any activity that includes this type of technology that helps us deliver that better experience, therefore maximizing lifetime value because consumers are enjoying the experience, therefore they're coming back. And hopefully spending more or spending better, let's say, uh, maybe not more necessarily, but we can offer better value for them because we're offering recommendations. So higher level will always be consumer lifetime value, which is a combination of average order value, uh, frequency, and churn.
1: And are you seeing uh, the results of uh, using this technology and increasing customer lifetime value? If there's anything you can share with us there?
2: Yeah, I mean we have uh, basic examples already on the advertising side. When I joined Deliveroo, um, there was uh, let's say the way we were using Facebook, and it's not because Ian is here that I'm saying this. Uh, Ian, I, <laughs> I could I could say differently otherwise, but we were just not using Facebook the right way to to talk to our repeat customers. So so we were we just didn't understand the role that Facebook could uh, play to help us. Have a conversation with our existing customers. So we would just acquire a new customer, we would just put them on the app, and then unless they were subscribed to the newsletter or they were watching TV, we were not having a conversation with them. What Facebook is allowing us to do is through uh, dynamic creatives and also through, uh, through basically like working with their audience's tools is to figure out when we can, when is the right time to show a specific message to a consumer, which could be, for example, if you're a consumer that usually orders uh, dinner, can we push you to order lunch? But if you're a consumer that has had a bad experience, can we show some kind of creative uh, that is a bit more friendly? And that uh, not necessarily that push in terms of uh, pushing you to uh, buy something today, but just to develop that brand, that brand conversation. And that is something that's extremely measurable. We use uplift testing overall. And we have seen the incrementality straight away. And I mean, I'm not going to lie; we are still learning. There's lots of technology that uh, Facebook progresses very fast. Therefore, we need to continue impl- uh, implementing those technologies to stay in front of, uh, of of basically the technology that we can implement. But um, but it's made it's made already a huge difference in the time I've been working for
1: Deliveroo. Ian, yeah. she's uh, she set you up really nicely there in. Uh... Uh, to talk about how wonderful, uh, but just just pause for that uh, for um, a <laughs> no, moment. I'm,
0: I'm, I'm not used to this, Russell. Um, uh, so no, no, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a welcome change. But uh,
1: I think Ines and I'll bring you both in on this uh, on this. As as mentioned, a few things that will uh, are worth unpacking for uh, for those that are, are listening. Uh, firstly, uh, you mentioned um, clusters earlier on. Um, if I could just ask you to uh, explain what you meant by that, was that? Uh, in terms of targeting and and segmentation of audiences, uh, Inez?
2: Yeah, so the basic definition of uh, clustering is uh, usually traditionally segmentation is we define a set of rules that we know, and then we just put customers in those specific buckets. So, for example, demographics. We can say uh, people between 15 and 20 years old uh, or people that have children or people that live in South London. And we just put people in those packets, and then and then we uh, basically apply different strategies or communication on them. What clustering does is a bit different. So what we do with clustering, and Ian, you can help me elaborate on this, is that we don't necessarily know what attributes uh, a series of customers are going to have in common. But what we do is we feed a machine, and then we say to that machine, can not you please group this? I mean, I'm sorry, I just like, can not you please like try to be nice to the machine, but can you Group these customers in groups that have similar characteristics, and what you're going to find out is that those groups or that's, those characteristics that you would have defined just because you have you have the predisposition of using whatever like uh, behavior or you have the predisposition of using demographics, they might actually find completely different grouping of those customers that then is going to help you define different strategies and definitely define different marketing campaigns for them and then you can do that uh, at the group level so as the algorithm to just do clustering for you or you can take it one step further and that's when we would call it personalization which is we just find specifically for you where are those things that are particular to you and what specific experience we want you to have i don't know if ian you want to elaborate uh, more technically on this
0: yeah i mean i think that really gets to the heart of what we're you know, what's happening with machine learning and AI within within marketing. Um, the way that you buy campaigns when you use this technology is you buy against a particular objective. So that might be app installs, it might be conversions, it might be links to a website. Now that's your objective that you're trying to achieve. And what you need to do uh, to really get the best out of this technology is not put too many constraints. So as Ines says, don't, Make assumptions that you know what's going to work before. So don't go in and create lots of different target audiences and micro-target people based on traditional ways that we've done targeting. So it might be interests, it might be demographics, etc. Um, but you put in a, a, a broad audience, and then what happens is the machine will take your objective, take your creative, the assets that you've built for your campaign. And then go out there, and, and to start with, it will distribute this quite broadly to, to, to lots of different people. And then as it starts to collect signals – It starts to see what's working. It then optimizes and finds more people like the ones that are converting. This is the sort of, again, as I said, the sort of the black box part, the bit that you don't define up front. It happens behind the scenes based on hundreds, if not thousands of signals that are being collected. Um, And then the machine very precisely starts to find people who find your proposition more appealing and starts to deliver those messages to those people that are more likely to respond. Um, And on Facebook, you know, is a big audience, three billion people across the platform. The ads that are served to each person, uh, there is, you know, the the system looks at each individual and each ad that is served is served to that person we're trying to deliver a particular objective. So if you imagine three billion people all getting a personalized series of ads in their feed, um, it's a huge volume of data and people just cannot cope with that. Uh, And that's where machine learning is so powerful to improve. You know, the ad delivery system, um, in terms of getting relevant messages to people, but also in terms of delivering outcomes for for businesses.
1: You mentioned the role of people, and it's uh, edifying, I'm sure, for everybody listening today that people still have a role, and uh, you both alluded to it. Um, what you're talking about here is, um, I mean, the the very name of this podcast series, "Marketing and Machines," is uh, fraught or potentially fraught with with possible problems uh, because there's no substitute for good old fashioned human insight to ensure uh, that you don't operate in a, a rather sledgehammer way that uh, that messaging doesn't become too targeted and too personalized stroke playing creepy so I mean how do you make sure that humans people um, are very much part of this Process and approach. Uh, I suppose I'm asking you, both from a, a process point of view, but a culture point of view. How do you marry human insight with with machines and not lean too much towards the latter?
0: Yeah, I think you know, from, from, from my perspective, um, it's it's not a, a, a you know an either or decision. It's actually a combination of the two. And you know, machines have been making us you know stronger and faster for hundreds of years, and now they're just making us smarter and actually more creative what machines do is they they help with the execution at the moment they help deliver the strategy that you've set up um and so they're good at optimizing when you're collecting signals when you're feeding that into the machine what the big gap is for me at the moment with with machine learning and where people play a key role and I think Ines touched on this earlier is around setting the strategy of what you're trying to do and how you're going to use marketing to deliver that um and you know things you know as an example if there's no data in the system the machine can't see it and it might be something like addressing climate change is a key challenge for marketing the fundamental purpose of marketing might change we want we're going to need to sell you know sell less but for more money um essentially and that's a big strategic shift um, a machine is not going to pick up on those kinds of signals to get you to pivot your business in that direction. Um, so there's an awful lot that the machines can help us with, particularly around execution. Um, they can indeed provide really useful insights. So, you know, we're starting to track trends in fashion uh, based on machine vision. So seeing what pictures and what images of, of particular fashion items are being shared around the world. And then we can start to see how those fashion trends are kind of spreading. That's incredibly useful for businesses. But you need people to start to think about the longer-term vision. We need to, and the machines really, hopefully, will free people up to think more creatively, to think more strategically, and do lots of the manual work that, you know, quite frankly, I think people aren't necessarily best placed to do, and most of the time don't find particularly rewarding.
1: And, and, and arguably aren't very effective in in doing. As a result, uh, Ines, presumably, you would agree that uh, from a, a strategic and insight. Uh, starting point that is still best done by people.
2: Yeah, right. I, I do agree with everything that Ian said. I actually think that the most important thing is the last thing you said, Ian, which is the vision part. Uh, people will be exposed to vast amount of new information, and and uh, these machines are going to ha- help access to information. And, and then I think establishing that very clear mission and vision and purpose. Will be critical for organizations to focus its efforts on the right things because otherwise you could just be changing your strategy literally overnight and just continue to have customers at the center. And now I think there are two more dimensions though to be able to use data science, uh, sorry, data science, data science, right, but like uh, machine learning and AI the right way, which are we have vision, but then we have almost an organizational design and culture. Uh, change that needs to happen within the company around adaptability and then around empowering people to make decisions faster. So you have the vision in the first place, but then uh, you need to have a second layer where those teams get used to changing things fast because AI is going to reduce the barriers to entry for new competitors overall, like creating an ad Used to require a lot of work technically uh, for any advertising platform. Nowadays, you literally can start advertising in less than an hour. So, we need our teams to start using AI and machine learning and technology. And we cannot have organizational designs and cultures that block these teams from making those decisions and progressing faster. And what the, your question, your original question, Russell, was what organizational changes. Do we want to make? And I think that we need to figure out what is the next evolution of working in cross-functional teams, where almost like that machine becomes one more component of that cross-functional team. So there we had the, uh, the analytics guys and the marketing strategy guy and the designer. And what is the role that the machine plays to help us make that autonomous team succeed to deliver v- versus the vision that we have defined?
1: Thanks. I mean, just I mean, picking up on what you just said there, but also what Ian said, uh, that that this can help take the strain off of your teams uh, and help them perhaps become more productive and effective in, in other areas. Presumably that's something that you would agree with.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And practically, basically what's happening in companies like ours is we used to, when I started my career in marketing, we used to have lots of people uploading segments and running CSVs and uh, using even Excel or Access, like Microsoft Access to, to do queries. And then data science happened and then something called big data happened and no one really knew what big data meant. And then overall, these things started progressing and partners like Facebook or Google and and many like B2B tools that we're using help us replace that automation, sorry, that manual task. So what is effectively happening is that we have smaller teams, uh, with very uh, uh, with people that are specialists in media planning, or they are specialists in strategic planning, or they are creative specialists. But we will not have people anymore, and that's a fact. Uh, for people listening to to this podcast that are thinking about career, and, and especially if you're starting your career in marketing, think how you can create different uh, value by by uh, contributing to the strategic thinking, think how you can leverage insights by by driving the vision of the company but all these manual tasks are completely going to disappear as they should because they are not creating any value for organizations and they just become they just become commodities that can be done by machines.
1: we've heard uh, from you just then and and uh, and from both of you uh, to this point about all the advantages obviously uh, you can take some of those uh, tasks away and uh, and increase the effectiveness of individuals on your team we've talked about personalization targeting and that in itself uh, improving efficiency and effectiveness uh, but it's not all necessarily good news uh, we've 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 all read uh, and we at marketing week have written about some of the more cautionary tales um, some of the problems, perhaps, that uh, can be born from use or misuse of uh, such new technology. Uh, I mean, Ian, where do people need to be uh, careful and cautious? And uh, what are the consequences, perhaps, of uh, of, of an over reliance, uh, overstretching in these particular
0: areas? Yeah, that's a, it's a really, really good question and 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 a big topic. Um, I mean, in essence, you know the machi- machines they're not pre-programmed to, to to create specific answers and responses they learn and they learn from the data that, that's fed into them and just as the experiences a person would would you know can get shape the person that they become the data that is fed into a machine shapes the output and how it learns and the, the biggest cautionary tale i think is the unforeseen consequence of the data that you put into a machine so if i'll give you a couple of examples you know in Performance advertising, you know, you set, set something up and say, I want to deliver a, a conversion or a, an application. You want to drive a particular action from that, from an audience, and you set the machine up to run that. It goes out, in, it ingests vast amounts of data, and it finds people, and it's, you start to deliver sort of that, that particular business outcome that you want. Now, I suspect for Deliveroo, you know, the broadest, there, you know, there aren't many constraints on who you want to, to, to use your particular products, but in some categories, you know, there are biases that can start to appear. And these are biases that are in the data that is going into the machine. So, you know, for example, uh, recruitment, job recruitment. You know, we are at the moment, you know, in in our industry of marketing, but, you know, also in lots of other industries, we are trying to unpick decades of bias that's existed. And if you just allow the machines to ingest the data, they will start to optimize in ways that just finds the most efficient lead for, for you if you're trying to recruit for a particular job. But what you need to do in that case is say, right, we need to provide a set of rules that say, right, we want our job adverts to be served to you know equally to across gender, um, you know men and women across age groups, Um, and you need to put something else in there that constrains that data and provides a framework so that it is delivered in a fair way. And you know we have we have something that internally we call the fairness flow that in those special categories like recruitment where we ensure that the distribution of advertising isn't just blindly led by the data and the data that's ingested. And I think the other interesting data set uh, that, you know, has been was in the news quite a lot recently is around customer services. So, you know, there's a big rise in in automation around chatbots and customer service that's accelerated beyond belief during the current Crisis, uh, you know, that need for customer service that isn't provided physically in your, your locations of your business and call centers are under huge pressure. So that rise in, in chatbots is, is something that's very pronounced. But, you know, interestingly, you know, when chatbots are learning how to respond, they need huge volumes of conversational data. Um, and, you know, there were a couple of high profile examples where chatbots were using you know, conversational data from, from Twitter and from places like Reddit. And actually, some of the, you know, the less savory elements of those conversations, you know, quite high profile, you know, chatbots becoming racist, for example, and saying things that would not be desirable start, can start to creep in. So you cannot let the machines just, you know, run away with the data. You need to think about a, a moral, ethical framework and indeed, actually how you want your brand your business to be portrayed and 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 to see some of those 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 less desirable consequences because the machines are just learning from the data that goes into that system but you need to have the foresight to think how that data might be biased or deliver a a a learning experience that, that has outputs that you're you're not totally comfortable with
1: and i agree with you there's nothing more frustrating and 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 plain obvious than a a chatbot that um doesn't have any sense of human to human, um, which might sound like an oxymoron in itself. But uh, you know, you know when you're up against the chatbot, and uh, you know when it's been, uh, for want of a better way, programmed incorrectly. So we've heard a lot on this podcast so far about how it's been used now. Um, if I could just ask you to both dust down your crystal ball for a moment and just offer your opinion on what. Might be next. What's the uh, what's the next development that marketers and those in the ecosystem might need to think about now?
0: If I could ask you,
1: Ian, for uh, your thoughts on uh, what's
0: next first. Yes, yeah, so, I uh, yeah. So I mean, it's a, it's a tricky one, and it's developing in lots of different areas. I think the. Perhaps the biggest area, So we've seen lots of developments around performance, marketing, digital advertising. I think customer service is going to be the, the next area that is going to be completely transformed. Um, I think we mentioned earlier, you know, the, the poor experience you have with a, a chatbot um, or you can have with the chatbots. You know, that is going to change at some pace. And if you, you know, look at the sort of the latest research that we're doing out of our artificial research centre in Paris, there are some really, I think, incredibly useful applications that are going to come. So one of those things is, is around shopping assistance. Um, so using machine learning to recognize particular products, it might be in a, you know, you're know you looking at something, you see you see something that you really like, machine learning can then identify what that product is, it can help you find that, that product, but but more than that, it can show you what products would fit into your room, what, what products match with your taste, and then it can go out there. And as we're seeing this diversification in terms of products that are available, um, machine learning can play a valuable role of finding the right products for you. The other piece that I thought was really interesting in that space was you can now start to look at food as you see food that you're interested in and machine learning can identify the recipe of how to cook that food just from an image and that's going to change our experiences of shopping in quite profound ways.
1: Ines your thoughts on uh, the immediate future?
0: Yeah I think that
2: definitely the most significant one we're going to see is customer care but I think there's yeah and you mentioned a few very good examples but I'm going to drop one more example which is more of a hidden example, but it's going to affect everybody's lives. I think that uh, AI and machine learning is going to have a huge impact in logistics overall. So if you think about Amazon, uh, they have uh, employed more than 100,000 robots in their warehouses uh, to just efficiently move things around. Uh, But they have also increased their warehouse workforce by 80,000 humans at the same time, like Uh, during the same time period. So I see a world where in logistics, and this is very relevant for for coronavirus times, but uh, we're going to see a symbiosis between humans and machines where those machines are going to learn to operate around humans in a very effective ways and they're going to do the tasks that humans are not going to be able to do because humans are going to still do peaking, for example, at least for a while. But but machines can do many other things around humans, like carrying big weights, like uh, like moving packages around the the storage space. And I think the Amazon example is very relevant because that's probably the equivalent to the to the steam machine when the steam machine started to be used where it really changes completely the way businesses operate in the future and with more people ordering uh, things at their homes and, and basically i think traditional commerce the way we know it is going to change completely i think that robots are going to and machines are going to play a huge role in in that part
1: yeah thank you for your thoughts on the uh, on the near future at least if i could just ask you both uh, both for some concluding thoughts for the benefit of everybody that's uh that's listening if there was one piece of advice that you've learned through your own experience working at brands or with clients that you'd want to impart if people were beginning on their journey in the use of any of these new technologies what would it be uh, if i can put you on the spot first ian
0: yeah i think you know you don't need to know all the detail around machine learning, artificial intelligence, but you do need to know the, the broad concepts. Um, and the, you know, the biggest mistakes that we're seeing businesses make that are leading to less effective marketing campaigns is that they, you know, they actually constrain machine learning. So they put lots of um, barriers around that, be that around tightly targeting, micro-targeting audiences. Um, so I think the, my, my advice is to understand the broad concepts. And the broad concept really is this, there are two parts. Maximize the signals that you are collecting. Make sure that you have that absolutely optimized in the right way so you're collecting the best, richest signals um, through pixels, uh, through mobile SDK that we use on our platforms, but you know across your digital ecosystem. Um, and then the second piece is, is let the machines do the work and, and optimize. And what I mean by that is, when campaigns start, they go through this learning phase and the machines go quite broad purposely and the algorithm delivers ads to you know, a broader audience to make sure that it's looking in all the potential areas. And what often happens is that campaign sorry, campaigns managers will change the campaign at that particular moment before the machines had a chance to learn. And what happens there is that that learning phase restarts Um, and you have to go back to the beginning, the machines, once they exit that learning phase, the optimization is very significant. So, you know, don't meddle with campaigns once they're set up. Allow the machines to go through that learning phase and optimize. Ines, concluding thoughts?
2: Yeah, so the one I was actually going to mention was uh, data integrity because I think that without the fundamentals uh, of a good data architecture and uh, and a d- good data engineering service and team you just can't make uh, AI and machine learning work. And my piece of advice for the people listening would be don't postpone this. If you're starting your own business now, don't think, mm, I'm going to do this when I've been operating for 18 months. Because when you get to that point, you're, uh, the architecture of your database is going to be all over the place. You're going to have legacy that is going to cost you a lot to fix and to ES point uh you're, you, the, the signals you're going to be feeding the systems are just not going to be right so so if you are operating in a large organization get, you need to get started because this is going to happen even if you don't want it to happen and to uh if you're starting your own business uh, it doesn't cost anything to do this right from the beginning uh, and there's many tools that do this out of the box so it doesn't necessarily have to cost a lot of money, and then the second thought uh, is around team ethics, and uh, we touch a bit on this regarding organizational design. But I think that we as leaders, uh, especially, uh, probably also on, on your side, Ian, but especially in final client and advertisers, we're going to have to think very hard about yeah, what are the what's the role of employees and. How do we want to continue to keep these teams motivated? And what, is, what are the ethics that we want to apply in our houses, in our teams uh, to find the right balance between machines and people? And and what are the things that we're going to be able to say, have to say to the teams to use these machines the right way? So you, measure, you mentioned the example of you need to say to this algorithm that they need to target men and women at the same time. Great, perfect. So do I have to say that to my teams? Yes, but what is the application of that when you... Uh, when you start thinking about uh, your culture and and how that shapes uh, the future culture of your team, and I this is very very a very wide topic because I don't have the answer of this. I I've been thinking a lot about it, and that that was my point earlier on what is the role of the machine in this cross functional team, which we don't know yet.
1: Well, it's um, it's definitely a key challenge, and it seems to me to be a very key question that everybody should be asking uh, themselves. Uh, before they uh, impart, uh, but certainly throughout uh, their use of such new technology. So thank you for that, Ines, and thank you as well to Ian for your thoughts on on this podcast. We've had a whistle-stop tour through the application of some of these new technologies, uh, their potential, and indeed some of the problems, and we've also covered what's next. So a lot in a relatively short space of time. You have been listening to the first episode of Marketing and Machines, sponsored by Facebook and brought to you by Bauer London Creative, with me, Russell Parsons, and producer, Tim O'Donoghue. You can subscribe to this series via iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud on Marketing Week's page. The next two episodes will be delivered by my counterparts at eConsultancy and Creative Review, and we'll draw deeper into technology's role in planning and creativity. Until next time, goodbye. Marketing and
0: Machines, sponsored by Facebook. Uncover the latest trends in machine learning and automation that are helping advertisers unlock new phases of growth.